Good morning. This is the For Those Who Inquired podcast. And just in case there are those that inquired, I haven't slept yet. Really? Oh, this ought to be good. Yeah, this is kind of like being on drugs because, you know, you're just like your, your brain's not used to operating that way. I feel good, though. Like it was an intentional thing. I, my sleep schedule has been all out of whack recently and uh, of my own doing. Oh, not was, not even not even I nobody's can, fault. Come on. You didn't you what play D&D last night? That's the reason. No. I, so you actually worked. I, so I'll tell you what I'm really, really bad at doing, Neil. It's procrastination mm-hmm. is, is something I'm really, really well, I'm really good at. It, oh, I can teach. Oh, OK, because yeah. I can teach you if you yeah. need some help on. That. I'm bad at doing it, but I'm really effective at like embracing it, if that makes any sense. OK. All right. So I what I do a lot of times for the Paducah Sun is if we can't fit something in the paper, which has been, you know, a lot recently with the, right. you know, three quarter pages that we've had. <clears throat> What I basically do is I try to toss a lot of stuff online. And at that point, I don't mean this like this sounds, but like there's not a ton of breaking sports news. But if it happens, then I can get it in that night. And then the next morning, everybody wakes up and sees it. Okay. And I'm kind of the same way. Like I, it's easy for me to just fire stuff away at like 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning. It's quiet. Nobody's bothering me. You know, I've spent my day doing stuff around the house. You know, and things like that, and then I can get everything online. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm all, I've always been a night owl. Uh, I I kind of dabble in like a lot of different, you know, video games. It, seriously, Neil, I'm not kidding when I say this. Like coin collecting, stamp collecting, basketball cards, baseball cards, music. Yeah, it all like I, I can share those things with my wife. But when she comes home from work, she like wants to watch TV and like fix dinner and stuff. And she's yeah. she's not like, hey, let's get the basketball cards out. So that's all kind of stuff that I do. And I just I kind of just rotate different hobbies, and okay. that keeps me up late at night. Yeah, I uh, collect coins and bills. I just have trouble hanging on to them, but yeah. I do co- try to collect a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, but then people want them to pay bills and stuff. Well, I do that as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I would say I am a I am a I'm a numismatist. Uh, oh, sorry about that. Are you taking something for that? Yeah, it's okay, uh, it's, uh, it's called uh, two dollar bills, and and uh, I actually have a twenty dollar bill that was printed in 1936. It's actually worth forty dollars. So the funny part is, it's worth double its actual face value. Goodness but gracious! It's just an older bill. Um, uh, the old twenties looked really cool, mm. you know, with uh, old Andrew Jackson, and they're smaller. You can kind of tell a little bit. The, anyways, totally off the rails there. But yeah, I, I I've collected coins and stamps and rocks and baseball cards and Star Wars memorabilia and all sorts of jazz uh, over the years. Just ask the dishwasher. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what it's like to have all of this crap in her house. So wow. luckily it's all locked away in my, in my man cave. And, um, yeah, I've got a lot, of, I've, I've got sports memorabilia in the garage and see we're polar opposites in many ways. Night owl. I am not a night owl. I, I have to be up at four forty five, so I'm not a night owl. Uh, maybe a little bit on the weekends. I don't collect anything. I'm the least sentimental person in the world. My mom, bless her heart, saved all these wonderful newspaper articles that she cut out, from when I was six, man walks on the moon. When I was uh, thirteen, whatever, blah blah blah. And uh, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. You were thirteen. Tossed him right away. Yeah, that gives you an idea of how old I am. Seriously, but, Neil? yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, something like that. When Neil sixty nine. When Neil walked so I was on the moon, thirteen would have been fourteen later that year, but he did it in what April. 
and uh, yeah, it's nineteen sixty nine. You toss that away. Yeah, it's a new. You can go get it anywhere now. It was uh, ninth two miracles that year. That was one. What was the other one? Nineteen sixty nine. Uh, the Miracle Mets. Wasn't That's it. it. That's Mets right. won the World Series. That's right. Yep, beating the Orioles. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that was, let's see, 70, 85. That was 16 years before I was born, Neil. Way to go. Just thought I'd age you there a little bit. Thank you. Speaking of age, uh, you and I are going to age quite a bit this fall because yes. we <laughs> don't have any fall sports at Murray State. That's right. For me, that uh, means uh, no games for 11 weeks, no coaches shows, uh, somewhat of a loss of, of income there, but uh, maybe a chance that I get some of that back in – uh, the spring, we'll wait and see on that. Yeah, let's uh, let's open this up because this is a, a very very big conversation uh, for those that uh, maybe were unawares. The OVC, the Ohio Valley Conference, uh, decided on Friday after quite a bit of litigious litigation. I don't know, just take take that for what it is. A lot of a lot of discussion uh, that took place actually between Thursday and Friday morning. Uh, OVC presidents decided that there would be no fall conference sports. They had already decided that non-conference was pretty much a no-go. You and I had had a show three or four weeks ago that had gone into great detail. Uh, some of the comments from Beth the Bush uh, about what the fall was actually going to look like. Now we got, you know, a lot more clarity. Uh, and the and the consensus is, well, I, I it was a consensus, but I don't know if it was a unanimous decision. That That part's not clear, which... I know a lot of, you know, OVC presidents aren't going to come out and say, well, I voted no or I voted yes. But there is a majority of presidents that have decided that that non-conference and conference sports for the fall are, are a no-go and need to be moved to the spring of the 2021 season. Uh, with one small caveat, four non-conference football games allowed. What do you make of that? Well, the, the part that's really confusing to me it would would have been fine it's like now go out and schedule for but as i understand it you are supposed to any of them that you had you can play those and not go out and get them a couple of schools decided uh, i think they were maybe tipped off to what was about to happen right they went ahead and scheduled a couple but uh, but i don't understand the logic behind that if it's unsafe to play then it's unsafe to play they shouldn't be playing those games if it's unsafe to play and if you're going to allow them to play those games, allow everybody to schedule those games. Don't say, well, if you have them scheduled, you can play them. Uh, to me, that that's a really horrible message to send. And I'm not I'm not onto the presidents for making the wrong or right decision because I don't know what the right decision is. And it's not like they're an outlier. It's not like, well, every other FCS conference is playing and you're not. You don't know what you're doing. That's, that's not the case. No. I'm not sure where this ran downhill because as of a month ago, six weeks ago, it looked like everybody was going to play, and now there's a handful of conferences that are going to play. They think it's safe. They're going to go ahead with it. Most of the conferences say we're going to push it to the spring. And here's here's what I think. This is like when you're little and you ask your parents to buy you a Lamborghini. Well, you know, we might get you that. We may do that, okay? Just, uh, just hang on and be a good boy. Well, that's what they're asking you to do. Be a good boy, and we may play in the spring. There may be basketball in the spring. Hang on. Uh, to me, uh, they just don't have the guts to say, we're not playing until there's a vaccine. We're not going to play until there's a vaccine. Uh, I think that's a bad decision. I think they should be playing now. Uh, I think it's safe enough to play. Uh, if they are going to play in the spring, then go ahead and uh, get the schedules going. And this time, play the freaking games. 
Uh, and if you're not going to play till there's a vaccine, just have the guts to go ahead and tell us we're not playing until there's a vaccine. Sure. Because it can't be safely played. But while you're saying that, be sure to call the NBA folks and tell them they can't safely play either because they've just done it. Major League Baseball, they had two teams with big problems, the right. Marlins and the Cardinals. The Reds had one player, so 27 teams were fine. Another was almost uh, perfect, and then two teams had problems. So it can be done. Uh, the uh, They have no issues in uh, South Korea where they play games, uh, no issues in Taiwan where they play games. So they can be done. It can be done, and suddenly our presidents uh, at colleges across the country decide, now nah, we can't do it. So I don't know if it's 100% on the safety or if there's other factors involved in terms of money where they think maybe things will improve and we can make some of the money back in the spring. I don't know really what the answer is, sure. but something doesn't really add up here. Yeah, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder if some of it was cost prohibitive. And but, it may have been. But here's the deal. And that's a good reason if you'll just say so. Yeah. And the one thing I will say, though, uh, and, and this is going to kind of come back and forth. I, I want to, you know, you know, reiterate this to our, our listeners, our, our, our two listeners, to Eric Frederick and and uh, and uh, Dave Winder. And John here. McKay. Yeah, and John yeah, McKay. Three, yeah. three listeners. Yeah. Uh, three listeners. My apologies, John. Um, we... You had Kevin Saul also tell us on Monday, though, uh, athletic director for Murray State, that that essentially one of the big problems, but that, that Murray State had been addressing it regardless, was the you know thorough, rigorous testing. Mm-hmm. And I say big problem, relatively speaking, like they knew that that was coming. That was a caveat to what was going to happen to the sure. small, and that Murray State had been embracing it. Now, have they, Murray State has not released details as to how many tests they've administered nor how many that have come back uh from a positivity standpoint but we know that football's been practicing we know basketball's been practicing men and women we know soccer's been practicing they practiced this morning you know neil we we know volleyball's been in you know in in work workouts so on and so forth so have there been positive cases i'm going to conjecture that mathematically yes probably probably it's just a matter of like virus science and virus math there's the probability is is high that there was one or two or three or five cases out of 300 athletes um but we've digressed the 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 point is kevin brought up the fact that you know there had been aggressive testing at murray state and they were actually looking at a backup plan for conference for non-conference football games when tarleton state and louisville fell off and then the OVC decided. Now, I understand, you know, Kevin's message on Monday as well to, to local media uh, and to some of the questions submitted to him after Friday's decision was, you know, safety first. And that's why they decided not to do non-conference. Um, they certainly weren't going to get geared up for just the one game and I, at Georgia State. I totally get that. Yeah. I have no problem with that. What I don't, what I'm still not entirely clear on and it's worth discussing, is was Murray State or, or is the OVC allowed to go and get non-conference games after Friday's decision? Like, that part to me is still kind of gray. Well, if there are teams that are in the process right now of getting games, obviously it's going to be okay to do that. I See, Jacksonville State seemed to make it really clear to me that, that they're looking. They're looking. Yeah. You can't look and publicly announce you're looking if it's not legal to do. Right. So in that case, 
and and that's what I want to get at. I Kevin also made it very clear, and I had heard through some other runarounds as well that it was extremely possible that that Murray State was looking at three to four non-conference opponents before everything was decided all last mm, week. Right. Um, you know what what would that have looked like from a budgetary standpoint? I don't know. Um, I think a key point in all of that though is that even though you don't have as much revenue coming in between now and December, Kevin made a really good point. You also don't have as much expense. You're not traveling to all these locations. That's correct. You're not. So where does that balance come out? Well, I don't know. I mean, we're going to learn more numbers probably after Christmas, hopefully. Right. But it's hard to extrapolate because we've not seen a fall like this before. Well, to me, if you have students on campus, and we do. You're right. You should play football for now. If you don't have students on campus, then you shouldn't play. Then it's uns- and you deem it unsafe. So what you're saying is it's safe to have kids on campus. And remember, you're naive if you think they're going to class and back to the dorm. That's naive. Come on, yeah. they're not. They're not doing it. Some are, but but yeah. not a, not a majority. No, no. I mean, it's come on. It's college. They're not going to be doing it. Probably more careful than they've ever been. I do get that in terms of the majority of the students. But uh, I mean, they're college kids. They're gonna they're gonna do things together. There will be some positive cases. I guess the key is that you don't have outbreak. But if it's okay to go to class and be on campus, it should be okay to play football. So, in my opinion, those those two things go hand in hand. I know you know with North Carolina, there are some pockets where they've had some issues, and uh, there will right. probably be more this next week or two as more schools begin to go back to class. I think the one thing that I was really interested with, Neil, is the decision altogether. I actually thought it was going to be the other way around. I thought they were going to stick true. I thought presidents would stick true to non-conference play being I off did the table. Yeah. And let's go to conference. Yeah. You know, like like if, if we can't have non-conference play, that's a delay for a month, like they were going to do with volleyball and soccer, right. and just bring in conference play for football. Because as you remember, you and I spoke a lot, you know, about what Beth DeBush had to say in early August, late July, about we value conference championships. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that's gone away, because it looks like if we play seven to eight games in the spring, well, we're going to have a conference championship, and it looks like the FCS will resume itself. And, you know, you, you have to think of the 13, and actually that brings me to another point, of the 13 FCS divisions of football none of them were going to play conference play by the time Friday rolled around. That's correct. So part of me wonders if OVC officials made the decision based on the fact, well, there was just nobody left to play. I understand. I, I'm just saying that. I'm just yeah. one, I'm just put throwing that out there that, you know, they waited to be last from a decision standpoint, which I don't think was a bad idea because they got to see all options on the table. And when they realized that the table was bare – and the cupboard was empty. Well, man, we're just we're gonna have to pull it. You could still have played conference games, but here's what you do if you do that. Based on what everyone else has done, you're essentially not gonna be eligible for an FCS championship. Or if you are, right, you're gonna have a layoff. What December, January, February, March, maybe till May yep. when they play the FCS championship game. Right. If they play that, uh, one thing you should do right now uh, this week: write down the positivity numbers uh, nationally. Uh, write down the hospitalization rates, things like write them down because they decided that it was unsafe for players to play with all of those statistics. If we get to January and those rates are the same or worse and then they decide to go play, 
They can't hide behind the we did it for safety issue because that's BS. Yeah. It is. Uh, and, and it may not be. If it is player safety, I get it. But if the numbers are at the same or worse in January, then they painted themselves in a corner on player safety, then they can't play. Yeah. It's got to be canceled. And I still think the outlier might be they just said, we're not playing until we get a vaccine, and that might be 100% true. Well, and that's and if that and I agree with you in that respect, Neil. That you know, if that was the ultimate decision, they they could have just come out and said, or if the or if the problem was testing isn't as available. Okay, you you wanted to wait for more Give viable us the testing. Here's what has to happen for us to play. Right. If it happens, we play. If these things don't happen, we don't play. But they didn't do that. Right. None of that's out there. Yeah. It's just uh, ah, we're just gonna get together and vote on it. That sucks. It really does. Yeah, there's not a real clear benchmark or a rubric. And no. I, I understand it's 2020. We don't really have a rubric on a lot of things that are going on. But there are enough numbers out there where it's easy to say, okay, we need testing this frequently and this often, and here's why. Correct. If you give us those numbers and we can't meet them, okay, we move forward. Exactly. You know, so at least I mean, you know where you are. But right now, we we don't know what the rules of the game are. That's exactly right. Play. Yeah, I, this isn't we even. Have no a, idea. Yeah, this isn't even about epidemiology. This no. is about what benchmarks are are needing to be met. What rubric or what, what test are you trying to pass? Like, what's the test? Yeah. Well, the test is COVID nineteen, and I get that it's the enemy. Dean Hood's right. COVID nineteen is the enemy. It's not your that opponent. Is correct. Your opponent right now is COVID nineteen. Dean Hood is right on the money with that. The point being, though, is if you're going to attack COVID-19 effectively, well, who's doing better at it? Who's doing worse at it? And uh, and and how do you how do you combat that? What are the rules? What are the obligations? Um, we know some of them. We know state level. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the OVC level? What's the NCAA level? There you go. You know, we know some of the NCAA requirements, but what's the OVC mandating um, that maybe was too tough for some schools? Right. Um, that's what I'm curious about. And, I don't know. And we don't know, unfortunately. Yeah. We're, you and I just can continue to BS it back and forth, but we're not going to solve it. No. You know, not until it becomes abundantly clear yeah. uh, what it was supposed to be. And so. if they want to wait for a vaccine, I'm fine with it. Just come out and say it. Don't give people hope that maybe we'll play in the spring. Maybe. Just say it. Yeah. Just say it. Say just, it, baby. Say it. Yeah. Yeah. Just just say it. <laughs> who, who used to say that? Christopher Walken, yes, that was on that is Chris Walken. Saturday Night Live skit, I think. Yep. Just say it, baby. Oh, man. Goodness. Well, we got off on a little bit of a tangent there, but it's yeah, a very did. important one. And here's the deal. Um, you have roughly, mm, what, 50, 60 teams, FCS, FBS, that are still going to play non-conference conference right. football? Yeah. I understand that That let's just let's let's localize it, hyper-localize it here. Uh, at the micro level, Murray State lost uh, immediately lost any SEC or ACC opponents right off the bat. Like if you were going to go get non-conference games, you you couldn't get them from the ACC or the SEC. Once they released the conference only for SEC and ten plus one for ACC, well that was it. Then you only had four independent schools. One of them was gone when Notre Dame went to the ACC. Then all of a sudden, who do you have left? You got Sun Belt. Well, that makes sense geographically. Yeah. You could you could schedule some games in the Sun Belt. Probably get Molly whopped by all of them, but you you could schedule some games and get some get some experience. Conference USA, that makes sense. Southern Miss was on Tennessee Tech's schedule until it disappeared on Friday. Um, I think Big Twelve, 
It's another example there. I think Tennessee Tech had a TCU uh, uh, engagement that they had recently acquired and then, you know, you know, had, had gotten out of. But um, on Friday, but you you had a few teams out there, most of them at the FBS level, that probably were going to be willing. And I hate to say it this way, I'm sorry, but probably would have been willing to load up some cannon fodder for the start of the season and and pay out some big paychecks. You know. Um, did that offset COVID responsibility? Probably not. You know, I don't know. I mean, the cost, I don't know how much you have to test after a travel like that. So, you know, let's just say hypothetically, Murray State would have gone and played four non-conference games at, at a whopping total of 1.2 million, 300,000 per game. And that's probably lowballing it in some situations. Right. But let's just say 1.2 million. Well, how much of that 1.2 million is going to go to the budget? And how much of that's going to go to the ramifications and the costs of COVID-19, even just the testing? Let's say in four games, you have the best-case scenario and nobody tests positive, but you still had to test everybody those multiple times. What does that cost? A quarter, quarter million? Yeah. Do you lop off a quarter million off the 1.2 that you make and you come home with 950000 I don't know. You know, was it worth it? Probably not. So, I mean, I, I mean... Those types of discussions, I'm sure, were ongoing, but now they're moot because Murray State has opted uh, to not play a fall non-conference schedule. And, I, and, I, and we've talked a lot about football because it can be a big moneymaker, but you take a look at like all the fall sports that are being you know, kind of mitigated in this way. You've right. got men's and women's golf that try to use this as a non-competitive slate to prepare for the OVC. You've got rifle. Yeah, why that? I don't know. Playing high school golf everywhere in the state, and yeah. you can't play it in the it's OBC great, in the fall? That's a great question. Come on. I, I, don't, I don't understand that at all. Especially since golf is one of the most socially distant sports. It's easy to do. Tennis, too. You, th- you take a look at the women's tennis program here at Murray State. They use the fall as a non-competitive fall schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they, they keep stats and everything like that, but they use the fall to let's gear up who our one through five are going to be. Can't play that, you know. I. You know, baseball and softball use this as a fall season. This is when you bring yeah. all the people in and let's get everybody some innings. I at least understand that. Sit by each other in the dugout. Right. But golf? Yeah. Come on, man. It's a, I mean, it's you don't a, even ever have to sit by anybody. That's a good point. Uh, Neil, uh, I did want to prompt you here really quick. You actually had a couple of really key comments uh, from Kevin Saul from Monday okay. that are going to segue us to the next part of our conversation, which is the basketball discussion. Yeah, and he did talk a bit about the basketball schedule and whether we might see the basketball season on time. We've not received the national direction yet on basketball season start and finish dates, although we do understand there are several possible models, and we've seen those. Given the NCAA's recent decision on fall championships and the fact that the first week of fall championships coincides with the start of basketball season, at this time, it's reasonable to assume that it may impact basketball season. But we'll continue to work through that with Basketball Oversight Committee and the NCAA and our league and establish a league schedule based on that national uh, direction. All right. So there's that from Kevin Saul. Now, we didn't understand an NCAA representative made a statement yesterday. They'll decide in mid-September as to when the college basketball season will begin. Yeah, about a month from now, um, which a lot can happen in a month uh, in either direction. I'm of the notion that basketball could probably start fairly close to on time. Um, I think they'll push it till after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I really believe Which that would be able will to, happen. That's a that's a two week delay. Uh, yeah, about a two week delay. Uh, 
for one thing, a lot of schools are getting people out right. for Thanksgiving and not coming back. And that, I think, could go a long way to help us have a positive result trying to play through COVID with college basketball. Yeah, and I don't want to I don't want to get off too much on this tangent, but I've been hearing a little bit about it, and I I posited the idea on on social media a few a few days ago, and it's a harebrained idea, but I'm of the notion that while at the high school level it is extremely important to to try and maintain some sort of balance between NTI and in class discussion and and teaching you know you've got free lunches you've got extracurricular activities you're trying to maintain some sort of normalcy there that's different at the college level um you can do a lot more nti um in my opinion at the college level i mean classes are online all the time master's degrees are online we have universities that are online that's the point um as we start to get older we start to try and manage a lot of different things in our lives um, and so online courses become a, a really integral part of the development uh, and learning process for young and maturing adults. Even myself, who's considering, you know, getting an online degree in the next two to three years. Um, but my point being there is I'm of the notion that if we truly value student athletes, and you have brought this up pre-show, Neil, and we have obligations to fulfill with scholarship athletes, then you bubble the scholarship athletes and you get everybody else out of the classroom. Which would be easy to do post-Thanksgiving. Yeah. Really easy. Yeah, really easy, actually. You know? Um, I, I'm not trying to create a pedestal situation where... Well, that doesn't. Right. The other Everyone else is at home. They're having to stay. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. almost like a reverse You get to go home and hang out. With your family. Your athletes... Basketball players have to stay. Well, and you'd have to think, too, even closer to Christmas and right after New Year, your football players would need to return, too, because apparently there's going to be a spring. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to be turning. And I kind of wanted to – I'm going to I'm gonna revert – I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Kevin mentioned this, and it, it does seem abundantly clear. While the rubric and the, the, the schematics for how fall now needs to look from a practice standpoint aren't fully available – they can treat this like the spring in some regards. I, I yeah, honestly, just one point for Murray State might be the best thing that happened. Murray State football. This is our spring that yeah, we didn't get. Yeah. Now we get it. We'll go in on a little bit better, even footing with everyone when we play in the spring, if we play in the spring. And not and not just football. I mean, I'm glad we keep bringing up football because it's a very important piece of this pie. Right. But but I mean, like women's soccer. Always and Murray State women's soccer has been dominant the yeah. last half decade. Yeah, they always get to use their spring to go play like three or four SEC, ACC teams. Sure, play the whole roster who's returning and see what happens. Yeah, they always get like a Vandy in or an Ole Miss or somebody in during the spring, play four or five games. That you know they're not going to get that this fall, but they didn't get that in the spring either. Right. So you know there's a lot of you know your rifle people are going to be able to I think, and like I said, all of that's not particularly clear how that's going to work out, but it but your students are here, your student athletes are here, they're they're going to be able to make use of weight rooms, they're going to be able to make use of you know socially distanced meeting rooms, and they're going to be able to take advantage of what they did somewhat miss in the spring. So I do I kind of wanted to backtrack just a little bit right. on that. Kevin brought that up on Monday as well. That's the that's one of the smaller silver linings I think mm-hmm. with with missing the actual competition is that yeah. well we can just get we can prepare more. 
you know, in our own way. Thing I feel good about, uh, and Kevin had, a, I thought, a really informative. Uh, there's just not a lot of answers he can give on many things, but he at least told us where they stood. Uh, Kevin is really on top of so many things. Uh, I think he's a great mind. Uh, might be one of the better athletic directors we've ever had in terms of kind of knowing the lay of the land what needs to be done so Murray State is in good hands and if it's if it is a possibility for a solution I believe Kevin's thought of it I I really like the job he's doing yeah it's it's one of those situations like honestly I know we're all kind of at our own wits end anyways you know and it's just August but I I hate it for him because it's been his first year on the job you know I mean he's he's technically a second year AD going into the second athletic year but like Nobody asked for this. Right. You know, Dean Hood didn't ask for this. Uh, Kara Amundsen, softball, Dan Skirka, Matt McMahon. Nobody asked for this. The it, students? Yeah. No. And it's rough. But if you think it's rough, wait till you get to spring and you have a limited staff at somewhere like Murray State, but other OVC schools. And you're playing And they're six. having to play every sport. Every one of them. Just think about it from our perspective. We're having. I don't cover every sport, so for me it doesn't impact me. I mean, I read the scores and stuff, but they have to put out information. At the OVC, you have uh, Heather and, and Kyle and all. Oh, so you yeah. have to put all those things out for every sport. Every sport. Instead of having it split up, well, this half of the year we do this, next half of the year we do that. No, here it is every freaking day. If you have spring sports like we think we will, Let's just because we thought we would have it all year, and here we are in August. But we let's let's just pretend. Let's let's just hypothesize. I made that word up. Let's just hypothesize that you have spring sports along with the normal scheduled things that occur in spring. Right, Neil. How do you call a football game and a basketball game the same day? I've done it before, so it's really not that hard. How do you do do it like nine weeks in a row? Uh, I I can't imagine. Especially if they're not allowing fans. I mean, that depends. They come out with a vaccine in November and everybody's vaxxed up and they start football in February. They might have quite a few fans. But hopefully they'll stagger the times yeah. uh, somehow they'll probably have to, to where you can attend both if you want to. That's what they normally do. Yeah. We don't hardly ever have a football game and basketball game at the same time. We have had them overlap a little bit. But uh, that takes usually a little bit of scheduling. Usually the athletic directors at all schools are sort of cognizant of that. But if you're not going to have any fans, let's say that we're still at a point where, okay, it's good enough, we can play, but we're not going to have any fans or hardly any, I would be in favor of just picking another night and play your football games. Or another day, play them on Sunday afternoon. Like, you're going against what? The NFL? If you're playing them in February and March or not. Just play them it's on true. a Sunday afternoon. That's true. You could you can dominate the airwaves. Yeah, at that they'll play point. them on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, no big deal if if you're uh, if you're the only only game in town and stuff like that. At that point, you may conflict with baseball and softball, but uh, people would kind of have their choice on what to do. But I would sort of be in favor of that. Or you know, if it's uh, past uh, basketball season, you could play them on a on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday night, whatever you choose to do. Yeah, I'm trying not to get too excited about it. Obviously. Oh, I'm not either. Yeah. Uh, because uh, lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you just—I mean, you can't take it for granted at all. I mean, 2020 has been the let's not take it for granted lesson of the decade, year, life, whatever you want to call it. Like it's just—you can't really even get too excited about it because you just have to keep battling and trudging forward um, at the, at the student level, at the adult level, um, at the administrative level, and at the uh, 
at the medical level. Like it, it's a challenge, and you know numbers are positive in certain locations, and numbers are negative in certain locations, and you know everybody has an opinion about it. So um, you and I happen to have opinions about it, but the facts that we do know um, is that certain specifications need to be met um, before sports is played. Um, and hopefully those specifications, uh, are continued to, uh, are, are, are met at a, at a, at a strong and, and effective rate, right. uh, for college athletics to continue. Uh, I, since I don't know the other colleges, they may be doing a ter- terrific job too, but Murray State, uh, Eric Frederick sort of in charge of the, uh, uh, the safety guidelines and things like that. I mean, he had other people working with him, but, uh, they had things going, you know, their way. They were set to play, prepared to play. They were. Uh, it, the 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 message just came that they weren't going to. But when uh, they set the dates again, here's the schedules. Have them ready to play. They'll be ready to play again. They were ready to play, and uh, get get on the bus or wherever we were going early September. And if they move that to uh, late November, early December, or even January for basketball, and we're playing football in mid February, early March, they'll be ready to go. Yeah. Uh, they'll be ready to go, yeah. um, and that's uh, that's good news. That's that's the best news you yeah. and I can deliver at yeah. this time. All right. So one area that has gotten it right so far, the NBA. Yeah, really no issues whatsoever from a COVID standpoint, right? In terms of it impacting the players or the games. Once they're in the bubble, I yep. guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, it's the best way to put it. No fans. The only fans that were allowed were requested NBA players and staff members who had to make a like, like, like a special request. Mm-hmm. Like they legitimately had to like put themselves on a list and be like, "I'd like to come see this game." Uh, just an example: this past uh, this past Sunday, where or Saturday, excuse me, where the Portland Trail Blazers and the Memphis Grizzlies played. Uh, several former Memphians uh, requested to come see the game. Jay Crowder, who had been traded, mm-hmm. uh, wanted to come see his old teammates play against the Portland Trail Blazers in a really important game. And uh, a couple other guys as well were just, you know, hey, I want to see this game. I want to see John Morant and Damian Lillard. And uh, that's kind of my next point here because uh, two racers in John Morant and Cameron Payne were fascinating yeah. in, in the bubble for, for different reasons. Uh, both were terrific. Uh, I'll start out with Ja. Uh, ja averaged almost 20 points per game. Didn't shoot it as effectively as he normally would, and, and we learned a little bit about why later yeah. on. Of course, defensively, you know, they lost a lot of talent just in that eight games because Jaron Jackson Jr. was out, and Tyus Jones never came back, and, you know, and so on and so forth. The injuries just kind of started to pile up a little bit for them, but – you know, Jai averaged 19.9 points per game. He averaged 9.9 assists per game. He was third in total minutes in the entire bubble. Wow. The only two players who averaged more minutes than him, Damian Lillard, who was bubble MVP, and C.J. McCollum, his teammate. And here's the crazy thing. That's Murray State, Weber State, and Lehigh. Wow. How about that, that? That's that's three mid-major guys. Yeah. They were the three most leaned-on dudes in the entire bubble. Don't get me wrong. You had Devin Booker from Kentucky, DeAndre Ayton, you know, Luka Doncic. You, I mean, you had, you know, LeBron James. I mean, well, LeBron was from high school. But but still, you, you had big-time players from big-time places 
that played big time minutes. I'm not saying that. But your three top leaned on guys, Dame, CJ, Ja, in that order, were from three mid major programs. My. That's pretty impressive. Just go where you're needed yeah. and go where you're loved. It doesn't matter. If you're a blue chip prospect, great. Go play blue chip basketball. But if you have a chip on your shoulder and you're being overlooked, just work because you're going to make the moment. Like that's how that that's that was the most fascinating thing to me. So when the Memphis Grizzlies made the play-in game, you know they beat the Milwaukee uh, Bucks, which were without Giannis because he decided to headbutt a guy. But they probably would have sat Giannis anyways because they'd already secre- secured the one seed. But it doesn't matter; it's already done. Uh, but that discussion was already going on. On as soon as they tipped off, they're like, "Well, Giannis isn't playing, so who?" We? Mm. But Giannis probably wouldn't have played anyway. But I digress again. Once you got to Saturday's play-in game and, you know, everything kind of started to develop storyline-wise between the Portland Trailblazers playing hot basketball, Damian Lillard unstoppable, you know, putting up 40, 50, 60 points a game. They held him under 40, though, didn't they? <laughs> <Were> they? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he had 31. I mean, he's still... Yeah, but that, compared to what he'd been doing, that's pretty good. He went 14 I for... I shot him down! He went 14 for 14 at the at the, at the free throw line. That but um, He got shut down. Did, did you watch Saturday's game? I watched a little of it. I had to mow the yard. So... My yard doesn't mow itself. So, John Morant, in his final... What ended up being his, <clears throat> his final NBA game of his rookie season, magnificent campaign, rookie of the year, uh, soon to be named, I would imagine. 35 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds, 13 for 28 shooting, 3 for 6 from 3, including 3 of 3 after halftime. Did have the 8 turnovers. Um, they lost 126 to 122, and they led for most of the fourth quarter after being down 16 points after the first. Mm. It was a terrific game. Um, Josh scored the not only the career high, but it was the game high, um, and he just kept going. Then after the game revealed that he had a broken finger that he had suffered against the Toronto Raptors, he'd been battling it for about four games. Um, one of his best performances, and it was on the biggest stage possible on ABC. I mean, with the the playoffs on the line, mm-hmm. they were a half game away. Really, from right. from making the playoffs. Now, I think the injuries cost them that. I think they get yeah. Jackson, Winslow, Jones. They're fine. Yeah, they they get one. They too, get another one of those games. That's what I meant. And instead it of going two too much. Yeah, instead of going two and six, they go three and five, and they're not playing the play in. Yeah. You know, um, or they go four and four, and they're not playing. The, they lost the first four games. They lost by two, nine, nine, and ten. I mean, just just excruciating, you know. Just I mean, that's part of it. They are the youngest team in the NBA, right? And they were picked twenty seventh, and they finished one game out of the playoffs. Now, what will happen next year? I don't know. I mean, we we don't know. We're extrapolating, but the future looks extremely bright for the Memphis Memphis Grizzlies, and the future look ex- looks extremely bright. Excuse me for John Morant. When does next year start for the NBA? Are they see, starting, do see they know that, yet? They the the discussion is roughly between Christmas and Thanksgiving. Okay. Roughly. But, I mean, it's not it's not in stone yet. I mean, they still have to have the draft. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. You know, the lottery's just now occurring. Mm-hmm. So, they haven't even drawn yet for the lottery. So, that's all still got to fall into place before, you know. But yeah. now, creatively, you've got guys like Isaiah Joe, the Arkansas Razorback that's super talented, playing for Eric Musselman, has decided to forego – he originally announced he was coming back to the Arkansas Razorbacks. Is now going back into the draft. He had to declare before you know August seventeenth. So 
it's it's you know there are guys that are kind of on that fringe of like being drafted or not that are like well we don't sure we're going to play college basketball this year so right. i'm just going to go ahead and jump in the nba cuz they can bubble it and they know how to do it right so but anyways ja was absolutely um he was terrific. Uh, did he shoot as well from three as he typically does uh, or did during the season at 33.5%? No. Um, he was, you know, he was nine for 40, you know, coming out of the bubble. And then in the play-in game was three for six. So, I mean, it was kind of there, but it was just it just so streaky. You know, there were moments that it just didn't come, you right. know, for him. And, and teams are going to dare him to shoot because look what happens when he gets out in transition. Yeah. He'll just dunk all over your face. But – you know, the turnovers will probably come down, too, next year. Um, he had a great rookie year. He had a great rookie year. He, he, he had a historic rookie year. Yeah. I mean, there was only like five guys under <clears> the <throat> age of 21 that have ever had a rookie year where he averaged 17 and 7. You know, it's just unbelievable what he was able to do. And here we were two years ago, Neil, talking about the possibility of not knowing whether or not he had the skill set for it. You yeah. know, and uh, you and I thought he had the skill set for it, but of course there were detractors. Yeah. As they're all as at every step for everybody. Um, well, even you know his sophomore year. Well, they play a couple of SEC teams. Let's see how he does against them. Because if they shut him down and he looks ridiculously bad, and he, he's not that good. Yeah. Well, that that went the other way. That went the entirely <laughs> opposite direction. <laughs> That's right. And instead, it's like, you know, that didn't really do us any favors if we wanted to have him his junior year. Either of those performances. You know what's crazy to think about, Neil. He would be going into his senior year at Murray State. I know it. Yeah. He'd be going into his senior year right now. He'd be in workouts with Tevin and Tevin Gilmore and Brian Whitley. I don't even want to think about it because, in my opinion, if we had him last year, we would have missed the NCAA tournament, not Belmont. I mean. That's true. And we would have been furious. Oh yeah, I mean Murray. Murray. So right now, not yeah. as furious. Might have missed a CIT or whatever, something else, some yeah, postseason CBI. thing. Yeah, you know, you don't want to play them, but uh, I mean, I, you know, really feel for all the teams that missed it. It's it's you work so hard uh, in the po- in the preseason, and then you get to that point and you can't play. That's that's really bad. It's tough. Speaking of uh, not being able to play. Cameron Payne was the other racer that played really well in the bubble. My um, goodness. Hadn't got a lot of NBA run lately. Uh, you know, kind of looked like a fringe player. He'll have a job next year somewhere. Yeah, and it'll be with the Phoenix Suns, I yeah. think. I mean, so Cameron Payne, first of all, the Phoenix Suns are the only team to go 8-0 the bubble. They were waiting until the final moments uh, to determine whether or not they were going to make the play-in. And, uh, you know, Memphis won its game, and, and the Trailblazers won their game, and the Spurs lost. So, or the Yeah, the Spurs lost. So it's so, like, the Suns were waiting to the last minute. They did their part to at least win out. Right. Um, rare run for them. Um, terrific run for them. Expi- inspiring. Monty Williams, absolutely terrific. And it's cool because Cameron Payne will always be a part of that special moment. During this 8-0 run for the Phoenix Suns, he averaged 10.9 points per game, 3.9 rebounds per game, 3.0 assists per game on 48.5% shooting from the field, 51.7% from the three-point line, gosh. with one steal per game and just 1.4 turnovers per game. Great stats. I Great mean, stats, especially ex- for a backup point guard. That's what you want 
if you're going to have a backup point guard, give me that every night. Yeah, you want stability. You want consistency. He wasn't taking too many shots. He stayed within the offense. And when they needed key runs from a bench to keep the lead, he was effective. With Javon Carter, Dario Saric, those guys, that second unit started to really come together. And Cameron Payne was a catalyst for that. And there were moments that, I mean, there were lapses in defense. There was... There were moments where, you know, I mean, there was struggling, but it's the NBA. He had right. to battle, you know, for his spot, and he went in there and he took it. And, you know, when you put up numbers like that, you know, it probably felt really nice to fit. You know, I, I haven't talked to Cam about it. I, I've read some interviews and listened to some, some, some podcasts where they discuss him and, you know, but I mean, he has been waiting for four to five years. Some of it his own volition and 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 things like that. But he's been waiting for four or five years to like come to a point where he f- probably felt like he belonged in the NBA. Yeah. And health issues were a thing. Couple couple odd trades. Probably some bad attitude at some point. You know. And now he's in a situation. At least in this three weeks, he looked like he truly belonged with the Phoenix Suns, with Monty Williams, and in that offense. Right. And and I think that's terrific. If this works, you know, he's got a second-year option here with the Phoenix Suns, comes in healthy next year, he's got a job locked up just because of what he just did over the last month. Very impressive. Uh, it's really been amazing to watch how he's, I can't really say turned it around, but there for a while looked like he might not ever make it back to the NBA. Right. But he got healthy, worked really hard, uh, listened to whoever told him, here's what you need to do to make it back. Paid attention, and his hard work paid off with some brilliant play and uh, a job, at least for the foreseeable future, for him someplace, hopefully with Phoenix, and if not, there will be somebody else out there more than happy to pay him to do what he just did. Yeah, it's it started, honestly, with the Texas Legends. He came back from China after that experience there for a couple of games, Got the opportunity with the Texas Legends. Uh, actually, was playing alongside. Uh, oh, oh my gosh, from Semo Antonio Antonius Cleveland, and uh, and was playing well for the Texas Legends and the Dallas Mavericks. You know, uh, G League affiliate. And then you know they they didn't take him to the bubble. It's part of it. And you know, Phoenix picked him up. And it's unbelievable how he went from. You know, Cleveland or from from Cleveland. Actually, he was he had two ten day contracts with them to end last season, all the way to the bubble. It's just the yeah. NBA's the the path that you take sometimes is the 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 road less traveled. And uh, you know, fortunately for Cameron Payne, it does seem like he's found another opportunity. So yes, two racers that played really well in the NBA bubble, and we anxiously await to see when the awards will come out. John Morant because yeah. I mean he's a dunk for rookie of the I year. I think so too. And I I don't see any other way around it and it's just a matter of time before those votes all took place between July 21st and July 28th and did not account for the bubble. So if you don't even account the bubble, he was 17 and 7 his entire 57 58 games in the regular season. So wow. going to be really interesting to see how the votes shake out, but I would like to think that it's unanimous. Um but we'll see, you know. We'll we'll know soon. And uh, hopefully it's before the NBA Finals. I think it is actually, and uh, and we'll get some uh, we'll get some news that way, Neil. Um, last thing I'd like to close with uh, this Thursday, the Kentucky High School Athletic Association will be having its normal meeting, basically board, board of control, right. board of controls meeting, uh, August twentieth, 
And uh, there seems to be a little bit of discussion, I would say, matriculating, that there's the possibility that things get postponed again. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't have a really good read on that. I know that the KHSAA takes a lot of its advice and guidance from the from the state government, which it has to. It's it's a sta- it's a governing body. Um, that's how that works. But you know, I'm not really sure what to think of it because I haven't seen Governor Andy Bashir specifically mention, "Hey, sports is a no go." He hasn't, but he did push. Uh, a recommendation for in-person classes in high school, or not in high schools, in public schools and private schools in Kentucky, in Kentucky schools, right? To uh, to wait till the 28th of September, and there's a bunch of schools that's uh, thanks for the recommendation. We're not going to take that. We're doing it uh, otherwise, including several in this area. So I'm not really sure uh, what the take's going to be Thursday if they'll try to push games to maybe start the week of the 28th uh, or leave things as they are. I'm not I'm not really sure on that. But that's the only recommendation uh, that it, that's, the governor's made. He hasn't really made any in sports, but indirectly said, uh, I don't feel good about having kids back at school until uh, September the 28th. Well, and as a matter of fact, restaurants and bars went back to 50% before 10 o'clock. So... Uh, just recently. So, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure what to make of it. I know that there's been a lot of social media hoopla that has con- consistently urged Commissioner Julian Tackett and, you know, and Governor Andy Bashir to adhere to specific numbers and hold to September 7th and September 11th as the original start dates uh, for, for sports like volleyball, cross country, and football that Friday night. See, so, I don't know. The thing that, that hurts them, and, you know, we, we talked earlier in the, the segment about giving the numbers – Give them the numbers. Say if it gets beyond this, we'll push it back. Yeah. If it doesn't, we won't. But because we don't know, we don't know. What 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 numbers are you looking at? Why are we pushing it back? Yeah. What are you basing it on? I mean, that's that's the frustrating part. Because then you know, it's like oh, the numbers are here. They're getting ready to push it back. Yeah. We but don't. We, really, we don't know what it is. Yeah. We don't really know what the Maginot line is. Yeah. At all. No um, idea. And I'm not going to attack any leadership on that. I, 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 I'm, tr- I'm the same way. If the, though, if you're in class at your school, you should be able to play sports. And if it's too dangerous for you to be at your school, then it's too dangerous to play sports. I think that's a fair static way I, to look I at it. I think that's fair. I, I think that's a fair static way to look at it. You know, because you 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 toe on some tough lines of hypocrisy when you start running into those if-then situations. Yeah. That's the problem that you start running into is, well, if this, then this. Well, you know, it just just needs to be this or this, you know, yes or no. Pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, they don't have guys like you and I in charge. We just get to sit in <laughs> front of I, a I, microphone. I've actually listened to their, their Zoom uh, meetings, the last two that they had, not not all of them, but the majority of them. And, I mean, they're, they're you know, you have your, your city and your county schools. Yeah. It's a pretty diverse group that's on those zoom meetings from across the state and uh there's all sorts of opinions uh given out there there's there's folks on there that seem to be terrified of the virus and i think want to curl up under their bed then there's other folks that i think might go let's just get on out there and do whatever we want and uh, i think the the truth maybe is probably somewhere in between yeah and uh they're they're just gonna have to uh to figure out do we keep it as is or do we go ahead and push it back to maybe the end of September. I think one of the big fears, too, that I'm kind of starting to sense a little bit from, 
you know, a few locals and and on and 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 some of the regional chatter as well is well, you know, are Louisville and Lexington going to be the deciding factors for the rest of the state? You know, I I don't know. I I, I mean, I the, don't know. The board of control is not made up of all Louisville and Lexington, though. I mean, it's, it's not. It's a and it's a vote. It's a full governing body. So when they vote, they get no one gets any additional say yes you might yeah. have yeah it's not electoral votes no it, it is not it is not this is the way that it's done here because it's easily easy to do it that way right absolutely and i think the fact that it's not electoral votes actually seems fair i mean i understand you have a a large cluster of people uh a cluster f you know that that recently ran in the in the yeah, tar heel <laughs> but if but if i mean let, let's you can't really do it that way because right. if if you have louisville lexington vote Here's the way it's going to have to be done. We're going to have to be really tight here. It's like, gosh, here in Carlisle County, Hitman County, we don't have anything going on. Why, why, why are we not getting to play? Right. What's going on up there? Well, that's not a fair way to do it. And that's why having a diverse set of voices on there, I think, is at least a fair way to do it. You get to hear from all viewpoints. And just like we do in our national elections and state elections, you guys vote. We'll live with it, whatever you vote. Yep. So Thursday is going to be really interesting, and I'm I'm definitely going to be in tune. Uh, one of two things will happen. Either there will be some amendments and it will cause fuss one way or another. Yeah. Uh, or they'll stay as is and it might cause fuss one way or the other, but it's still stay, it'll stay You know where it's at. I do recall, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but Julian Tackett saying there will be sports this fall. I remember him saying that. He reiterated that we last week. don't know what it'll look like. Right. He did say that. Yeah. But there's going to be sports this fall. He didn't say... Asterisk. Uh, let's hope they have a virus by then. He says they're going to be sports this fall. Yeah, they hope. Yeah, they hope they. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's hope there's not a virus. Let's. You know, he didn't say what the rules were. He just said if yeah. the science permits it, we will have sports. That's, but that's correct. But he also reiterated again last week that there will be fall sports. That's what. And he said. again, what it's going to look like. He did say that. People the last Zoom meeting. People might not like it. I mean, yeah. you may get down and it's like, well, we're just having district championships and we're going to call it a day. Like, you all flip a coin. And it might. But he continues to reiterate that the numbers seem to be effective enough that there's going to be some type of sports played. Yes. Is it September 7th and 11th? Oh, boy. We're going to find out on yeah. Thursday. Yeah. So. Neil, it's been fun. It's it been has. real. It has. It's, and it's been, been real fun. It has. Are you are you gonna get some sleep now or what? I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good right now. I, I may go home and uh, watch some baseball. Um, maybe the Reds get back to action today. It seems that they've officially you, you announced that they were gonna come back, right? That's what they. Yeah, they were awaiting word from MLB. Supposedly got the word and then flew to Kansas City to play. And your Cardinals are back on. The diamond. Yeah, uh, I think we're three and three. Uh, split with the Cubs yesterday. Uh, split with the Whites or swept the White Sox, and then they uh, beat us Sunday, hitting back the back the back the back homers. But at least it's back. It happens. All right. See you soon. All right. Thanks, Ed.